welcome listeners again to the Radical Life Support podcast series on the ABCs of the Attributes of God. We're so glad you're joining us again today as we discuss the beautiful letter H, which is God is holy. We'll start with our quote from A.W. Tozier that says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So when you think of God, do you think of him as being holy? Is that one of the first things you think about him? Two definitions of holy. One speaks of being set apart, sacred, for a religious or spiritual purpose. But now we're going to speak about the second definition of holy, referring to something being pure. But God is not something. He is someone who is holy, and it is a fullness of purity. It is incomprehensible to us. Holy is what God is, and it's the way God is. Tozier says, to be holy, God does not conform to a standard. He is that standard. His holiness is infinite, and he is incapable of being anything other than holy. He is absolutely holy, and the word absolute means not diminished in any way, total, complete holiness and purity. There is no degrees to his holiness. He was and is and always will be holy for eternity. His holiness doesn't fade or have to be polished, so to speak. It remains forever untarnished. He's pure and free from any contamination. Anything in our world that's flawless, like a diamond or something pure as gold, it has great value. So I'd say that makes God's holiness priceless. It's beyond value. You can't separate anything about God apart from it being holy because he is holy. And as we've discussed all along with all of God's attributes, any attribute we think of God, we must consider it to be holy too. How about this? Even his power, his wrath, and judgment, God is still holy. I love this attribute about God because everything around me is impure, it's contaminated, it's dying, it's incomplete. Nothing is reliable to provide some kind of constant source of goodness, rightness, and holiness. And to have one perfect thing in your life that you know you can hold on to no matter what, for me, it gives me great comfort and strength. So let's reveal, as we do in all of our podcasts, how God reveals his attribute through the word, through creation, through Jesus, and in our hearts. First, how does God reveal himself as holy through the word? This first made me think of Romans 1-2, and when I looked at the words, it said, holy scriptures. And not just scriptures, but holy scriptures. And both words were capitalized. Now, capitalization in the Bible is significant in this respect. Anything capitalized like that seems to indicate to me of something related to God. Think of the word spirit. When it's written little s spirit, it refers to our spirit. And when you see a capital S spirit, it refers to God's spirit. And of course, every time you see Holy Spirit, it's capitalized. It's God's Holy Spirit. And anything referring to God can have the word holy in front of it, since everything he is, is holy. Now, let's think about this book. It's a book that has a compilation of all of these holy scriptures. And it is appropriately entitled on the cover, The Holy Bible. I think we can take that title for granted sometimes. If God is holy, then his word is holy. 
The Bible contains his holy word, thus the Bible is holy. And when you hold that book in your hands and read it, remember you are holding the holy word of God given to you with love for your good. The red letter words of Jesus in the Bible are my favorite because I know that they are the very holy words of Jesus and we need to pay particular attention to them. The Holy Bible is sacred. It should be honored and treated with respect. Some churches even have their congregations stand when the Word of God is read. And that might seem like a ritual, but it actually puts you in a bit of a posture to pay attention to what you're listening to. And if it's holy, then it's pure. God's holy word is pure, and as we talked about, you need to believe that the Holy Bible is infallible without error and pure. The name and title Holy One, referring to God, occurs 26 times in Isaiah and only six times elsewhere in the Old Testament. Isaiah 40.25 says, To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Isaiah 48.17 says, This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I'm the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. 1 Samuel 2, 2 says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Other verses include, as we talked about, the splendor and beauty of his holiness. God's majestic in his holiness. His knowledge is holy. His ways are holy. His throne is holy. And wherever he dwells is holy. Wherever his presence is, like the holy temple or sanctuary, is holy. Remember, even at the burning bush when God was present there, talking to Moses, he told him and declared that he was standing on holy ground. Isaiah 57:15. For this is what the high and lofty one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. This verse reminds me of the contrast of God again. He is so holy, yet he's benevolent to us who are so unholy and unworthy. In Leviticus 20:26, he says, You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. My NIV commentary says holiness is the key theme of Leviticus. The word holy appears more often in Leviticus than in any other book of the Bible. And these are words to Israel, but they also apply to us. In these words, he is saying we are to be totally consecrated to God. Our holiness is to be expressed in every aspect of our lives. To the extent that all of our life should be a certain, it should have a certain ceremonial quality about it. Because of who God is and what he has done, his people must dedicate themselves fully to him. In Revelations 4.8, it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Does that remind you of a song? <laughs> it says, who was and is and is to come. So his holiness is eternal. And holy is repeated three times to emphasize its importance and significance. I can't help when I hear this phrase. I think of the song, of course, but also just to think of heaven, because these words, when they were expressed in the Old and New Testament, they were words that were heard when John and Isaiah were in heaven. So his holiness surrounds him, and everyone in heaven is declaring his holiness. Let's reveal how God is holy through his creation. 
Now, remember when we spoke of God as creator, he made everything in six days and he said it was good. Then in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, it says, God finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And as we learned about God's power, God didn't have to rest because he was weary. Commentary suggests that the creator rested to commemorate that his creative work was complete. He formed it all and it was totally effective, absolutely perfect, and very good. The Hebrew word rested is the origin of the word Sabbath for seventh, and he made that Sabbath seventh day holy, and he rested on it. It was so important that God asked us to make it a day of holiness and rest. And it is not a suggestion. It's so important. He made it a commandment. One of the Ten Commandments honors the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In God's created world, Tozier says, God has made holiness the moral condition necessary to the health of his universe. God created our world to be healthy and holy. The English word holy is derived from the Anglo-Saxon meaning well and whole. So from the beginning, God created our world to be healthy and holy. Then sin entered the world. And what did sin do? Well, one of the things that it did is it magnified the contrast between what is holy and healthy and what is evil and morally sick. Tozier goes on to say that God's first concern for his universe is its moral health. Whatever is contrary to this meets with his displeasure. Think of how a mother would feel about a virus that's taking the life of her child. She would hate that virus. In history, there have been holy acts of God where he displays his wrath against all that wants to destroy his creation and all that wants to contaminate its moral health. The Bible says that God is too pure to look on evil with favor. The holiness of God, the wrath of God, and the health of the creation are all inseparably united. You can believe this promise that he won't stand still. In the appropriate time, all will be made right. God's holy standard for his creation is holiness. God requires holiness in us. In Hebrews 14, it says, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Since we cannot become holy on our own, he makes it available through his son, Jesus Christ. And that goes to our next area of how God reveals his holiness through Jesus. We have to start right away by stating Jesus is holy too. Peter said in John 6:68 6, and 69, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This was so critical when the disciples finally came to the realization that Jesus was a member of the Holy Triune Godhead. Even in Mark 1, a demon said, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Demons know who Jesus is. Demons know he's holy. Revelations 3, 7 says, these are the words of him, Jesus, who is holy and true. Jesus honored God by calling him the Holy Father. Another one of our attributes, right? He's a holy father. Jesus did nothing outside of his holiness. All of Jesus' words and works were holy, wonderfully perfect, and extraordinarily pure. He was the only person who ever lived that never sinned. 
We need to understand this because only someone who is holy can impart holiness to someone else. Hebrews 10 says, We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. By one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are, and remember this phrase, who are being made holy. Hebrews 10 goes on to say, We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. Now, when Jesus died, the curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place in the Old Testament temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain symbolizes the body of Christ, and like the curtain, his body was torn open. That symbolizes as it was opening the way for us to come into God's divine presence. Now, everyone has access to his holiness through Jesus Christ. And for the church, it says in Ephesians 5 that Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It's God's desire and Jesus' desire for everyone in the body of Christ, the church, to be holy too. Christ's work on the cross accomplished that and completely cleanses us and saves us. Because of his sacrifice and the blood that was shed in God's eyes, we're whole and finished. We are perfect in his son. Christ's wounds cover our unholiness. But as with many paradoxes in the Bible, that process isn't done yet while we're still on earth. We are still being shaped into his likeness. And as I said before, we are still being made holy. Now, how has God revealed that he is holy through your heart? Do you consider yourself to be a saint? Believers are called saints in the Bible. My commentary says, The basic idea for the Greek for this word is holiness. My thought is that a saint is a particularly good, devoted person for God. But all Christians are called saints, though, and in that they are positionally set apart, meaning we are set apart from sin and impurity and set apart to God. We are also, though, experientially in the process of increasingly being made holy by the Holy Spirit. There are New Testament verses that say that this Holy Spirit, capital S, the Spirit is a spirit of holiness. And our body is the temple of this Holy Spirit. And it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in us. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. We are called to be holy. Each of us should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. For God did not call us to be impure. God called us to live a holy life. And the verses go on to say God disciplines us so that we can share in his holiness. He is all about us living holy lives. First Peter says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, and he quotes Leviticus here, Be holy because I am holy. Now this verse has turned so many people off because it seems so unattainable to be holy that you, you don't even want to try. You know you can't be holy. But look again what it really says. It says, Be holy because I am holy. In other versions, it says, be holy for I am holy. He did not say, be as holy as I am holy. For that would be, he's demanding us to be absolutely holy, something that only he can be alone. 
God is not asking us to do something that is unattainable. Understanding this should affect how you live your life. You want to live a holy life. And the process of being made holy, I was thinking about it and I thought of it like this. You were created as a beautiful stained glass window, but the window is covered with dirt, so to speak. And this dirt represents sin and unholiness in your life. So we're beautiful, but our beauty is hidden and not yet revealed. Once you're born again through Jesus, he begins to take you step by step through a process called sanctification. And he begins cleaning each piece of glass. And each piece of glass is being made holy. And once it's holy, it allows the light of Christ to shine through. So I'm asking you, will you allow this holy God to come into your life? Will you believe and obey him and be sanctified and be made holy through him? Will you meditate on his holiness? Will you love what is right and will you hate what is evil? He wants the light of his son to shine through you to others so they can see his beauty. By being made holy, God is preparing you also for eternal companionship with him. One day we're going to see him face to face and we're going to be like him, as it said in 1 John 3, 2. But until then, we're still under construction. I don't know about you, but I am very anxious in awaiting that glorious day when the work in me is truly complete and I will be with the Lord forever. My prayer for you is from Jude, and it's this. Dear friends, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Living a radical life for Jesus means believing that God is holy. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to how holy our wonderful God is, and it will inspire you to live holy for him. We are asking our listeners to send us an email letting us know what your favorite attribute of God is. And once I've collected the responses, I will let you know. Please email us at rickandrobinmo at gmail.com. Next time, we'll be talking about the letter I. Talk to you then. Music.